Come on. The strong, the powerful Kisan Patel is here on Lifeblood. Welcome, Kisan. Thanks for having me here, George. Excited to have you on. Kisan is the CEO and founder of MA Science and Deal Room. He's working to change the status quo through an agile approach. His new book is MA Tactics Advice from a Corporate Development Practitioner for Each Stage of the Deal Life Cycle. Kisan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. I don't know if I have much of a personal life. <laughs> a dictionary definition of a diseased workaholic, but I managed to, to have a lovely family with three great kids that end up occupying any of that time outside of work, um, plus a little road biking. That's the probably the detachment from everything. Nice. But uh, in terms of what I do, I have a practice around mergers and acquisitions where I look at it as a market opportunity where there's always large acquisitions that happen on a big scale between large companies as well as on a smaller scale. And these transactions are highly inefficient. So we provide technology and educational products to help make that process more efficient so companies can end up with better results, more value, happier people. Which is things, things that we certainly all want. So you talk about how things are, how, how, how these deals, be they big, be they small, are highly inefficient. What does that mean? Well, we focus on corporate M&A. So a lot of times our clients are typically billion plus dollar corporations that will acquire a company for a specific strategic reason. And oftentimes part of that is going to be integrating that organization into their company and realizing value, whether it's through hiring extremely talented people to build products for their large ecosystem, acquiring existing products and being able to distribute it across their distribution networks. Uh, you know, for those reasons, or maybe just bridging a roadmap in what they're trying to build and get to market faster. Uh, that's their, their strategy and why you hear about these corporations paying large amounts of money, even beyond what you would fathom they would pay for a company is because they have these op optimistic view on the synergies that they could capture uh, with what they currently have and how they can leverage it. So that's uh, that's a great story and vision when it starts. Uh, the, the problem is it typically ends with uh, a lot of pissed off people that quit their job because they're fed up with the change going on and them being clueless about it. And I think end to end, what our goal is, is to work with these organizations and understand that life cycle, that process, when you go through M&A, where you're going through a process of making sure you're starting with the right opportunity to begin with, that's, again, that's aligned with the strategy and having a clearly defined strategy. Uh, but then as you go through a process, it just continues to get more complex. You get more information, you add more people, you learn about it. And a lot of times we pursue these deals with limited information on the financials. And I, I would define that as a traditional view. It's very much financial focused and we, we don't emphasize the, the people side as, as much. And now when you go through a process, it becomes more and more important that people are aligned about what's happening, why is it happening, how are they involved? And that when you follow that traditional model and it's per, mainly based off of what happens in the beginning with the financial view, you don't really iron fill in these pieces that matter the most that really connect that idea and vision 
to the teams being aligned on priorities and executing, driving towards the goal, that that communication gets lost. But the bigger challenge is change management. If you're going to try to go through and make significant amounts of changes through people's benefits, accounting systems, CRMs, ERP systems, the way of working, when you take away Slack from a group of developers, you're going to have a pissed off group of developers. So, you know, how do you do that and, and make it into an efficient process that creates a better people experience? Everything you just said makes sense. Is it that this hasn't been done because a lack of 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 knowledge, a lack of caring, a lack of technology, a little bit of everything? Probably a little bit of everything. There's a disconnect. Oftentimes there's a team that's job is to go out, find the opportunities, execute on it. They hand it over to another team whose job is to do the integration. And then there, there tends to be a disconnect there that um, you don't have this continuity of the vision, the plan, and, and even getting the people involved re that's responsible for executing the activities that create value on the deal, not getting them involved early enough was a, a common thing that the industry has really shifted forward on the past five years. But there, there's a lot of factors there. And I think there's a science that underpins all of this, George, that's so far behind and it's not, it's behind by nature. If you look at corporate M&A, it's only matured in the past 50 or so years. It's not like other industries, accounting, medicine, where we have centuries of information and development around where we've really standardized practices. M&A doesn't have that. It's lacking standardization. The industry, even with the nature of secrecy, operates in a silo. When we work with corporations, they all have their distinct, unique way of looking at and approaching M&A. That's, that's where the idea of science is applicable in this industry. There, there needs to be more studying, identifying what's actually proven, what's working. That's only emerging now. I think that was the opportunity we saw is this industry lacks that standardization. How can we come in and, and help with that? What makes it unique is the industry, it's different than other industries. If we look at FinTech, thinking of cryptocurrency, DeFi, all, all these other emerging areas, robo-advisors, it's a lot around algorithms and quantitative data. When you look at M&A, that doesn't work. It's all based off of a bunch of assumptions on people having their shit together to be able to execute and create a lot of value, hit goals. That requires qualitative research. We're talking to people, pulling out their insights from their experience, then identifying patterns and understanding where things go wrong, where things go well, where what do we need to do to start standardizing those behaviors? That, I think that was the challenge of why this this industry has been behind on the the science component of it. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. I was just sort of picturing in, in my mind uh, every different part of why a company would want to make an acquisition, and then all the all the opportunities and messiness of all of a sudden things are new for, for all the human beings in, 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 in the organization and how do we see the thing through so that, you know, the deal actually gets done, but then it's that it is possible that, that the visions are aligned and the wants and the needs and, and, and all these things and the change is, 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 is managed as, 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 as carefully as possible or effectively as possible. 
the term science is that's it, it's 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 giant it's tiny so what are, are there certain things that that you really look and, and point to and say okay this is this is what we need to really be focused on I, I started with one thing when we first started it was figuring out diligence because that was the area i was most familiar with worked as an advisor 10 years prior understood it understood how inefficient it was originally got inspiration from the software industry seeing how software engineers were utilizing project management tools to more effectively develop software then seeing how that trend was sprouting into other industries like education construction why not m a that that originally gave the idea for starting deal room as we started working with companies we realized there was problems everywhere there's problems on the front end of the deal, managing sourcing opportunities, tracking, combining information, getting stuff off of Excel across the board, getting stuff out of email across the board, especially internal communication. Then integration, those guys have it the worst. They get no love. They get <laughs> these huge projects and full accountability to deliver on it. And uh, you kept them in the dark far too long. You know, you should have had them up front early talking to the CEO of the company, briefing him, letting him know, hey, this is how we see you getting integrated. Let us tell you about the company and what's that going to look like because we want your full executive support in this and have alignment on the changes that we're going to make and then bring their other management team involved with that clarity up front in the transaction. I think that's the biggest problem, George, is just the magnitude of change management. You know, we think about like in our organizations making a... a, a a software adoption, let's pick up a CRM. That's a big thing. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're t sending surveys around, creating a committee to, to help vet and decide which solution you're going to use. When you're going through an acquisition, you're essentially taking an organization and peeling it back layer by layer, then reattaching it onto your company. That's, that's tough. That's a huge change. It's highly disruptive. That's why people, people some people don't even like change at all. They don't want to <laughs> right. get off the mail and start using Slack. So... <laughs> Kasan, are you sure you want to do this work? It sounds like it's almost impossible. <laughs> I think that's the challenge I like. It's, uh, it's so tough that even we, we're creating all this content, we write books in the industry. There's a, endless. There's so many different problems that extend out into every little bit of the company. If you think about integrating by function, uh, it's just all these little pieces that touches. And there's some change that needs to happen. And how do you manage that? Yeah, even assuming that both parties were doing a great job, but the reality is that one of those parties is probably has their own dysfunction, and now we're trying to merge those two together. So, I think the the other part is when you do get them involved, at least you understand where the compromise is, because there's a level of integration. You could go a very deep full integration or a light integration, but having the other company you're acquiring involved to understand where they're at, then you understand like these sales reps are married to Slack. If you take that away, that's going to piss them off. <laughs> they're going to be looking for new jobs. Like knowing that stuff, what are those risks early? And then reconsidering saying, hey, I know we're trying to save a few bucks by having one chat tool or enabling that across the organization, but maybe we give them best of both worlds. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating how Obviously, in any kind of an interaction that, that human beings engage in, what the expectations are is such an enormous thing. So I imagine that being able to talk to those departments and talk about having the CEO on board, you better have that person on board, but then people at every level need to be 
for lack of a better term, bought in to the fact that this process is going to be difficult and we're going to do our best to meet your needs, but some of them certainly won't be. There's a, a big, there's a lot of conversations around culture in M&A, particularly when you acquire companies and they're looking to integrate with very unique, distinct cultures. And we've seen deals totally blow up because these were polar opposite cultures that not like magnets, they stick together, they're pushing each other away. And that that's another often missed area is thinking of the culture, but building into the values of each organization from the beginning, where a lot of times it's the CEOs or corp dev leaders that are originating these transactions, but being able to have clarity on both organizations' values and aligning where they're complementary, getting that understanding to get a sense of if there's where the cultures would fit well, where there may be some challenges or maybe some big red flags on why the deal shouldn't be done because of that. Mm. How often does that happen? People don't do that. We want to say that's where we need to shift from the finance focus to the people focus. You get caught up and uh, your thinking is, hey, we got numbers to hit and our culture is to hit these numbers. Uh, you, you start pushing some of that stuff aside. And I think that that's the, the shift in the thinking that really is starting to evolve and is trending is getting that sense. Because when you do have that, you get a lot of other things right. You don't build this valuation model for $100 million, only realize half the value, but have a, a charge team that's going to blow past those numbers. Because ultimately, how well the company operates after you close on it determines if you've gotten, if you met that valuation model you originally assumed on or, or not. And that's where the focus needs to be, to really get that that sense of how this is all going to come together, have that level of confidence that you're going to get those numbers and maybe beyond that as well. So fascinating. Um, I like to think about things in terms of having an art of doing something and then the science behind it. And you can tell me where I'm off base or kind of getting it wrong, but the science here we need to understand the diligence and we need to understand really so much about um, both entities and, 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 and how we expect or, or, or hope to integrate them. Is the art, in essence, that agile approach? I think agile is still science. It's about creating repeatable processes. We call these artifacts plays where you can build out a step-by-step -step technique and make it repeatable that I can share this with another practitioner. They can implement this technique into their practice. The art is what the industry has this, the swagger and being able to go out, negotiate deals, make that happen <laughs> like that. That stuff art is there. I think the, the people component, I don't know if it's so much art, it goes back to good leadership. Hmm. You know, do, do you have this, this model where you really are a good leader that you have some clear, principles that you build your leadership around that you can be transparent about in that approach and your team members align around it and it, it, it works and some companies don't it's that pure top-down management approach and it's um you know it's just order taking versus do you enable a collaboration where people are acting on their own bringing the ideas to the table i love it i think that that makes a lot of sense how how the the agile process it it's definitely it it it, it is science um and aligning that with values and using your values as a way to make decisions about things um 
sort of like a decision tree. Yes. I, I think that values are key. Uh, agile can be interpreted in so many different ways, George. And for, for me, I look at there's now there's all these different related techniques that enable agility. But all bottom line is if you can create a change-oriented culture. If you can get a change-oriented culture that's constantly and willing to try new things, see what works, what doesn't, throw it out, iterate on it, keep doing that so there's progress for continuous improvement consistently, that, that's, a, that's ultimately what you're trying to achieve. If you do that, you'll get better. Month after month, you'll constantly get better. But if, if you don't have that, then it's, you can take agile classes all you want and hire coaches, but it's not going to do anything. Right. So is your current experience, your, your vision, one where you're going to be able to look at two entities and know enough about them through upfront work and, and, and diligence that you can say, I think this is going to take six months, 12 months, two years, three months. I, maybe if we go to the AI route and start looking at, can we bring the human level intelligence to machine and start scoping out what, what do these deals look like? How much human reviews needed versus could be uh, automated? We can start scoping deals out that way. I think our, our, our goal and mission right now is just harvest information and, and really educate the market that there's a lot more to this that that's missing. We Our practice is behind and there could be much more forward thinking in the industry to know this is the ideal approach. This is how you stay focused on the people, create a good experience, get everybody involved in the change that's needed so it goes way better than it currently does. Then that's like opportunity to create a lot of value, drive efficiency. Even if we take optimization, we look at financial transactions and it's uh, always save the, the bit points on what we can on every little deal that happens. I mean, M&A is expensive. When we do a $100 million deal, it's about 5% goes in fees to get those deals done. That's about $5 million on a $100 million deal. It, there's not a lot of people trying to solve that problem because there's too many people that are making money on that inefficiency. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of folks on the consulting side, legal side, banking side that all get a slice of that. And it's it's just, hey, you know, who wants to drive efficiency when the model's in your favor of inefficiency? But uh, I think that that's a the bigger opportunity when you look at not only bringing in the best practices, but technology to drive efficiency in the industry. There's a lot of cost savings that and reapplying that value into other areas like integration, pass out some good bonuses, create some good, uh, you know, welcome parties, events, and, and people, let people have a good experience that that probably motivate them and create a lot more value. That makes sense. I like it. Well, Keyson, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Empathy. I think that's the theme of our conversation. We talked a lot about people managing the change of people, but the one thing that you can always be more proactive or conscious on is taking the time, try to connect with people, make them feel felt. I think it goes across the board. Like I have to remember to go do it with my own kids. Remember to stop <laughs> be like, hey, can we just check in? Like, I, I know you're going through a tough time or I, I know, you know, you're not the biggest fan of school. <laughs> you know, your, your teacher always gives you a hard time and this and that, but, but how are things going? And it just, it means so much. I, you know, sometimes we're in these stressful situations and we get that, uh, like conflict opposing views, but you can defend your views to death and the other person's going to do the same thing. If you can take the time to understand where they're coming from, why they think the way they do, how they feel about the way they think they do, 
and, and spend the time to do that, that person realizes that, that you're doing it and they'll in turn reciprocate and be more open to understanding your views. There's just a lot that can go into being more empathetic. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Totally agree. Empathy can be a superpower for sure. So, and we do have to remind ourselves to be empathetic with our children, don't we, Kisad? <laughs> you know, I like I, I'd say that. And uh, one thing that's been really helpful for another fun tip is these gun range earmuffs. That uh, I remember that I used to have like three pairs get around the house. So sometimes you get that high decibel and your head feels like it's going to explode. You just put these gun range earmuffs and you're going to remind yourself like, all right, you can <laughs> calm down and be like, how you doing? That is absolutely a valuable difference making tip right there. I love it. That's a parenting tip for any parents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. I'm, I, I didn't plan on having such a big heartfelt conversation about people and emotions, George, but uh, I did enjoy the conversation. I love it. Likewise. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Uh, if you want to learn about M&A, we have a company, M&A Science, mascience.com. We have over 350 pieces of publication publicly available on all topics M&A. Myself, I'm on LinkedIn. He's Kison, K-I-S-O-N, Patel on LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Kison your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to mascience.com and check out all those great resources that Keyson has available and you can find him on LinkedIn as well. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Keyson. Hey, thanks for your time. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.